Hey friends, this is your friendly spoiler alert. If you are still in season one, please stop now or forever hold your tweets. Don't try into a tangle, but jingle from the jangle. It's easy if you listen with your heart. Singing la 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 la. Hey kids, welcome to the Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where the microphone falls down. Um, <laughs> where grown ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Sheree, and today I'm joined with fan favorite in front of the podcast, Ashley Johnson. Hi! Um, today we're discussing the penultimate episode of season two of Riverdale, <coughs> um, episode 21, chapter 34, Judgment Night. So just real quick, this is in reference to a 1993 Emilio Estevez and Cuba Goodings Jr. movie, and the IMDb description is, four friends on their way to a boxing match get caught in heavy traffic, so they take a shortcut in order to get there faster. Unfortunately, it leads to, it leads to them witnessing a murder, which leaves them running for their lives. So, how did they get the connection with that? Oh, I don't think there's any connection. Okay. It just sounds good. Okay. I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. Nope. Okay, quick disclaimer. Uh Netflix, Riverdale, season two, nine days after the season finale, goes to Netflix. Okay, nine days. Okay, so someone told me yesterday it was one day. Mm -mm, It's nine. Okay, so nine days. All right, so that makes it May 24th. May 24th to Netflix. All right. Get your pizza, your chips, and your salsa. (laughs) And milkshakes. Your your drink, your janks. Your 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 jingle jangles. Your jingle jangle, your serpent jackets. (laughs) Let's get this binge-watch session on the way. Right. I'm just excited because I can finally delete this season off my DVR. Right. So, constantly have, like, 17% left, and I'm, like, erasing, like, every other Doc McStuffins, hoping my kid won't notice. And then, like... (laughs) Yes! But yet, I have 21 episodes of Riverdale there. Sorry, honey. Mommy needs her happy place. And um, the the DVD Blu-ray set will be out on August... Seventh, I think that's what they said. I think that's what I said, <laughs> but I forgot. I can't remember in the time since I put that on Instagram. Yesterday. I was just busy about Netflix because I was like, as long as it's on Netflix, I don't need it on DVD or at least right. not yet. Right. Well, we don't have internet at my house, so oh, like, well, uh, you need DVD. Yes. Okay. And I will have it, like I will order it as soon as I can on Amazon and have mm-hmm. it in two days because I need that in my life. Okay. So, um, just no segments today. By the time I finished notes, I, it was like midnight, and I was in a, a very dark and sad place. <laughs> I was very scared okay. <laughs> about and I just I just couldn't think of things like good, bad, funnies. Like oh, I had a funny. Oh, what's what's your funny? Okay, so whenever Kevin had the phone and he said "hot Riverdale, Riverdale dads, dads to the rescue, rescue," yeah, I I giggled just a little bit. I okay, so that was very funny. My only problem with that was it totally takes you out of the drama every time they do that where he pulls out his phone and you have to stare at it for a second. And then he, like, dramatically taps the Instagram button (laughs) and then, like, it pops up on screen. If you're watching it on TV, it says, follow at the Kevinth Wonder. You see what Kevin's doing behind the scenes. And I'm just like, motherfuckers with the integrated marketing. Stop it. <laughs> we got rid of the CoverGirl stuff from last season. I just, oh. And I love that Instagram account. Uh-huh. Like, I've gushed about it before. But let me worry about that on my right. own time. Right now, I'm like, there's Molotov cocktails happening. People are dying. People's dads are strangling their moms. Like, shit's going down. Yeah. And if you watch it on the CW app the <laughs> night, the day after, that stuff's not on there. Okay. Just yeah. FYI. I mean, I'm not going to do that. No, but just, just <laughs> but. for those that don't have TV at their house yeah. and all they have is Netflix and Hulu and the CW app yeah. and they have to wait a day, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> just FYI. Okay. So that is good to know. So we're just going to um, jump in. The I think I knew that this episode was going to be bonkers just from the previously on because it was like 10 minutes uh, previously on Riverdale. Like it just kept going. I was like, shit, this does not bode well. Mm-mm. We're just going to have every storyline ever in this episode. And they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. I don't know how much, how they like fit all that into 42 minutes. I don't know, but they did. Yeah. 
Okay, so the epi- the episode starts off where we left off with the Black Hood at Thistle House. He has a giant axe, and he's chasing Cheryl all around her house, and even cuts down her fucking door with it. When she went up the stairs, I was like, bitch, have you not seen Scary Movie? Right. Have you... In- Which stars Lachlan Monroe, the Black Hood. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but anyway. Um, but yeah, I was like, you never go upstairs. Never. Never. But but she does, and she escapes through her bedroom window on the second floor. How? I don't know. Is she, is she a vampire? Is she Wonder Woman? I don't know. It's Cheryl Lawson. Right. That's true. <laughs> She's just magic from generated from her own bitchiness. By the time the Black Hood runs outside to look for it, she's had time to change into her Little Red Riding Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. And an arrow flies right by his face. Oh, yeah. Like, remember that one time Cheryl was good at archery? Mm-hmm. We were like, what the fuck is this? That's but, why. But yeah. <laughs> now we know. She tells him that... Um, he should run whilst he can. <laughs> Cheryl. Um, she only misses when she wants to. And he takes his precious damn time to ponder if he should, like, run or axe murder her. And, I don't know. Meh. I'm not sure if I should murder this child. Run before she can kill me. So she just shoots him in the shoulder with a bow and arrow like she's fucking Katniss Everdeen. It was... I was, uh, yeah, I like that. I was like, hell yes. Yeah. Then we cut to the hospital. Uh, Jughead and FP are dragging Fangs into the hospital that's lost in a time warp from the 60s. And Fangs is wheeled away and on a gurney, and Jughead goes to take off. But FP stops him um, before he finds himself in the middle of a riot. And he reminds Jughead that Fangs has a family and they should probably be notified. So they're going to stick around at the hospital, I guess, to call them until they can get there or whatever. In the town hall, that is a literal crime scene. Should be taped off, should have cops there. I mean, a man was there with a gun shooting people down, but... I think Hiram had something to do with this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he fucking hired that person. Um, Whoever it is, if it's like a real second Black Hood, if it's... Um, just somebody dressing up like the Black Hood. I definitely think Hiram's behind it. Um, but anyway, Buddy's just chilling in there. We pan in on her phone ringing. It's Jughead. She doesn't answer. She texts him back lying, saying that she's at the register with her parents. When there are riots in the streets, maybe don't lie about where you're at. That's not a good idea because you might actually go missing and nobody's going to know where you are. Um, just as she sets her phone down to breathe and I don't know, feel like some sort of iota of guilt for lying to her boyfriend after they've agreed time and time again not to keep secrets from each other this was a big deal to me when this scene was happening and now it seems minuscule but the thing is though she actually told him what could be worse and she said my dad being the black hood and he laughed and he laughed at the fact so she technically wasn't hiding anything from him right he just laughed it off yes she did tell him that but she just lied to him about where she was yeah, and like that true. bothered me um until the rest of the episode happened and then right. you're like fuck that lie right and uh, that's nothing <laughs> that, that means nothing to me cheryl calls and she tells her that the black hood just attacked her but it's all chill i got to my archery set just in time and betty asks her was it my dad and cheryl says i don't know but based on height and weight it could be I got a pretty good profile as he was like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) He stood there for a long fucking time. I still don't know how they like managed to keep a scene with him like dawdling in this like action packed episode. (laughs) She's like, you didn't kill him, did you? Bitch, he tried to slice her in half with an axe. She fucking should have killed him. Yes. Betty. She only shot to wound him. And Cheryl says, now that he's a wounded animal, he's just going to lash out and kill anyone who gets in his way, including his loved ones. Dun, dun, dun. So at the actual register office, Alice is working with like a throng of people. And who are all these people? Like, I have no idea. They're extras. Yeah. We were led to believe that the Cooper family ran the paper <coughs> alone. In my notes say, since the pilot episode, the registers picked up quite the handsome brood of extras <laughs> for their busiest nights. And apparently Hal is, quote, out covering the riots. Bullshit. Yeah. Or, I don't know, wildly swinging axes at teenagers. Um, I'll go with option B. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Or at the fucking hospital, getting his wound patched up and then killing Dr. Masters, which was really sad. 
Alice demands that Betty get down to the register's office because tonight is a big night, and if it bleeds, it leads. Way to have your priorities in check, Alice. And there's a lot of blood being spilled. I mean, it's... This is a very bloody, gory episode. Yeah. It's the penultimate episode, like... If this episode has anything to do going into the finale, my mind's going to be fucking blown. I know. Like, I can't even imagine what next week's going to be. And I feel like that's how we felt last year. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we found out who killed Jason Blossom. We're like, what now? Mm-hmm. Oh, Archie's just going to punch through the ice and save Cheryl. So... What, what can next week's be? I don't know. So, Fred comes into Archie's room and finds Veronica in her secret lingerie trench coat. And she's all, like, post-coital glowy. <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward. It's like, I don't know what you just did. Yeah. Oh, the smell. Oh, guys. <laughs> Apparently, while she and Archie were boning, Fred was watching the news. And he heard about the riots. And he wants to know where Archie is because his spidey senses tell him that our beloved redhead boy is in the middle of it. Somehow he is involved. There's no way around it. So cut to the streets of Riverdale where all the bulldogs plus Kevin, but minus Reggie are gathered. And there's like, there's this really delightful 90s sitcom romp between them where Archie's like, where's Reggie? And Kevin's like, what? I thought he was with you. Mm-hmm. Ha ha ha. Cue the laugh track. Yep. <laughs> You're supposed to be watching our kid right now. <laughs> <laughs> You can't see me, but I'm doing a full house. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Kevin is, like, aghast that Reggie would have a gun. And Archie is like, I know, my ex-sugar daddy is totally the one behind this. Mm -hmm. Catch up, Kevin. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. Keep up. Check your own Insta stories. Let's go. And, yeah. If only Archie had listened to, like, every person ever who warned him about Hiram, but fine. Um, he says they need to go track down Reggie because some of the serpents saw him with a gun and they're going to be looking out. They're going to be on the lookout for him. So he gives his assignments to the group. Um, they break up and go find Reggie before he gets a switchblade in the ass. And the characters that all have names and credits. So Archie, Kevin, and Moose will go one way and the non-speaking extras, you go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You just go back into oblivion. We'll never see you again. Bye. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Veronica wants to tag along with Fred to find Archie in her underwear, I might add. But before he can awkwardly put a half-naked teenage girl... Like, like she came over there in a coat and lingerie. <laughs> That's it. And she wants to hop in his truck. But before she can, Andre... And hey, everybody, it's Andre. He's back. Like, his face isn't broken anymore. Yeah, I know. It's kind of... I was like, wait a second. What? Both him and Archie heal very fast yes, from mob attacks. They do. <laughs> He's arrived to take Veronica home under her parents' orders, of course. And then Hiram wants Hermione to go to the register to give her announcement. But she's like, where are you going to be? Because, uh, I don't know, maybe she's smartening up a little bit. But he no. says he'll just be patrolling with another deputy. But it smells fishy. Welcome to the fucking show, Hermione. Glad you could join us. Your husband's a complete dill hole. Like, God. So... At the hospital, the Jones men and hot new sheriff get in a spat about responsibilities. And the sheriff makes a quip about FP violating his parole by antagonizing an officer of the law. And can everybody just, like, take some deep breaths? Like, everybody's butthole is so puckered right now. Yeah. It's insane. (laughs) Breathe, people, breathe. Breathe. Let's um, stop, do a mini meditation. Pretty much. And then reassess the situation. uh, Reggie calls Hiram while he's surrounded by literal dumpster fires. It's a little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> that was... I was like, what are you doing? I mean, the imagery, we get it. His life is a dumpster fire right now. And he says, someone shot things, but it wasn't me. And Harm's like, just so gleefully says he can't help him because he's just the fucking worst. And then... Um, Cut to Veronica demanding Andre stop the town car because in all of the madness, she sees Midge's mom, who we literally just met, but she's the one who might have killed that boy. And oh shit, Reggie was right. He and Archie didn't shoot fangs during their pratfall from last episode, but Mrs. Clump did. There's no way that Reggie could have shot him. Well, there wasn't, but that's that's definitely how it, like, yeah. seemed last episode. And I'd like to go back and see if we can see Mrs. Clump in the crowd at any point like I, I don't think so 
I, I'm sure, I mean, maybe not, but I just, I just want to go back and see if you can tell. I just haven't had time to do that, but. Oh, I forgot to mention that um, while FP and the sheriff were getting like all up in each other's grill, Jughead pulled a season one Archie and disappeared on his dad. I know. I was like, way to go, Jug. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, but also I am terrified for you. Please don't die. Um, Archie calls Jughead to whine about the serpents, and Jug is like, um, duh, bitch. Reggie just shot one of our guys. And Archie assures him that it wasn't Reggie. It wasn't Reggie's gun that shot Fangs. And they're trying to find Reggie, but he wasn't at his house, so they're headed to the school to see if they can find him there. Um, all of this is before the first title card, by the way. At the register, um, Hermione is there to give Alice and Betty a statement. It's probably not the one Hiram monitored to give, but maybe, I don't know. It, I couldn't tell because you see where she was, like, really struggling with, like, her motivation. Well, she just got shot at. Yeah. I mean, come on now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But it seems like she's woken up from her stupor for a second. But I don't think so because the way they treat it through the rest of the episode, I guess the million dollar bounty was Hiram's idea. Um, but she's going to put a bounty on whoever can bring the Black Hood in either alive or preferably dead. And Betty looks like she's just going to vomit all over her Barbie pink peacoat. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Okay, so if there was a million dollar bounty on the Black Hood, since her dad was a Black Hood and she was the one that turned him in, does that mean that the Coopers get the million dollars? I would say so. Okay. I mean, like Veronica says later, I don't think he fucking has a million dollars. Oh, hell no. But, yeah. I think Veronica has a million dollars. Right. For her extortion that she did, but... I, is she going to give it to the Coopers or is she going to open her casino? No, no she's going to open her, her casino. casino. Yeah. She's not giving it to Betty. No. Anyway, so after that we get Riverdale. And after I think from right there, just that first title card, I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be a big one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were not wrong. Um, <laughs> it took me like an hour and a half to write that many notes. Like, I was like, shit, I'm going to be up for a while. And so, for breakfast, I had Mountain Dew today because I just need to, like, be awake. Um, after commercial break, Betty is protecting the Black Hood, which Alice and the entire audience find abhorrent. I don't care if he's your dad. He's fucking killed people that you know and love. Apparently, Cheryl has been tracking him through the forest and stay out of the forest, Cheryl. I know, right? He could be behind a tree. Right. Every murderer you know knows. Never going to the forest. I was actually waiting for that, for him to like yes. jump out from behind her and like stab her with her own arrow. I right. was waiting for that. I was really, really happy that it didn't happen. Me too. But I was like, that bitch is going to get stabbed with her own damn arrow. Yes. I was so scared for her. Betty says that she needs to find her dad before anyone else does because now that there's a bounty on his head, he's a dead man walking. Good. Um, but nobody knows who he is. Except for her. Yes. But, well, at least Cheryl would know if uh, she saw some guy with a giant wound on the front oh, of his yeah. shoulder. So, <clears throat> anyway, at school, um, at the school, Archie, Kevin, and Moose break in and they hear glass breaking. Kevin assumes it's Southsiders and Moose responds with serpent scum. And, like, okay, I know you're pissed because your hag was fucking a serpent, but, like, the kid was just shot. And not only that, Moose, you're gay. Right. right. Like, you're yes. just pissed because your cover-up. Right. You decided high. she was done being a cover-up. Right. She, she's done being a beard, and she wanted to, um, and, and I'm not entirely sure that Fangs was, like, straight. Not that it matters, because he was very lovey-dovey on Kevin, but, um, I just... I think Moose needs to not say shit about anybody right now. That's all I'm saying. He needs to keep his, his mouth shut. And that's what he does best. Take away his lines, writers. Take away his lines. <laughs> you do every other week, so why not? Archie convinces them to get weapons. That sounds like a good idea. Veronica calls Archie while the boys are gearing up and lets him know that in case anyone cares, she just found Fangs' shooter and brought her into the sheriff's station. And he can't wait to tell the serpents. And then they share I love yous and hang up. And there's this there's this really hilarious shot of the new sheriff as, like, Veronica turns the corner and sees her mom with him. And, he, like, it's just, it just happened to be where I paused. And his face is straight up Derek Zoolander Blue Steel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes! His, like, he has, like, duck lips. And it's, it's great. 
It's really great. Um, anyway, Veronica rips a flyer out of um, Hermione's hand, and it's for the bounty. And she says, good lord, mother, are you and daddy trying to turn this town into Gotham City? Yeah. I, Googled, I giggled, like, a hell of a lot when she said that. <laughs> I was like, yes, Ronnie, yes. That just cracked <laughs> yes. me up. Gotham City, I was like, oh, my gosh, comic after comic. This cannot yes. get any better. Right. I, lo- I love the comic integration because, if, like, if Riverdale exists, then, like, Gotham City damn sure Gotham does. City has to exist. So somewhere out there, like, in their universe, there has to be Batman. Yep. Um, so back at the school, Sweet Pea and the other serpents are tearing shit up when Archie and, like, his clean-cut crew come in and they ask him to stop. <laughs> they ask him politely to stop messing up their school. And Archie tells them to chill the fuck out because... Reggie wasn't the one who shot Fangs. It was Mrs. Clump. But Sweet Pea does not give a shit. Because even though, even if it wasn't Reggie, it was a Northsider who put his bestie in the hospital. And I kind of agree with that. Yeah. It's like, honey, it doesn't matter who shot him. It was a Northsider. Right. Period. That's that's their beef. Is yes. It's not Reggie. It's right. a Northsider. The Northsiders have taken their school, their land their friend and now you guys just get to watch your school burn to the ground and yeah like I mean I don't necessarily agree with Sweet Pea's actions but I see where he's coming from yeah like you know but just as like a good old West Side Story rumble is about to go down Principal Weatherby busts in the middle of them and I'm thinking where the hell were you when they were down the hall busting up shit right like I mean did you just get the call were you like trying to get through and I love how you had his baseball bat I was just like what the fuck are you gonna do with that everybody's got a yeah everybody's got a baseball bat yes you were like 55 years old You're not going to do shit, man. (laughs) But it was kind of boss. Yeah, it was. And he did break it up. So much love to Principal Weatherby. Usually he terrifies me, but this time he was a total badass. Um, At the Cooper house, Betty finds the kitchen covered in bloody rags. So, of course, that leads her and all of us to think it's Hal. How's wound from getting shot? Covers it up. Yes, and I'm like, cleans stop cleaning up murders, Betty. Yes. Stop. Yes. Stop it. This is the second time in what five, six episodes. Yes. Like it's like I'm like, dude. Okay, stop with the murders. First, you helped your mom cover up that one from Chick, and then you delivered Chick to be murdered. Right. And then now you're covering up his murderer. Right. Just like, oh my god, Betty, you just need to stop. You stop. You need to stop involving yourself in crime scenes pretty much like seriously Jughead finally pulls up to the school on his bitchin motorcycle but Archie tells him whoa Archie tells him that it's too late Principal Weatherby already already shut the riot down Jughead says you tried Mad Maxing your way through a riot I kind of laughed at that I did too I thought that was funny (laughs) Archie sends Jughead to the clump's house because logically that's where Sweet Pea would want to trash next and as Jughead is leaving, he asks if he's talked to Betty, and Jughead assures him that she's with her mom, but we know she isn't anymore. And like, oh shit, that does not bode well in TV language. So the boys agree to keep in touch, and Jughead motors off to Midge's house. Just then, Pop calls Archie on a cell. Why does he have Archie's cell number? I have no idea, but I'm kind of I was kind of concerned about that. <laughs> I was like, that's weird. A little bit. I mean, does he have, like, all the kids' phone numbers? Or, like, hey, you haven't been in for a milkshake in a while. I've got, I've got a mortgage to pay. A two-for-one deal. <laughs> Can you come pay Jughead's bill? He's eating 34 cheeseburgers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, that's where Reggie is. and he's, That's why FP works at Pop, so he can afford yeah, the freaking bill. That's it. <laughs> he just, that's it. He works, so half of his paycheck is Jughead's cheeseburgers. <laughs> it all makes sense now. <laughs> I gotta work at Pops because that's where my kid eats all right. the time. And I gotta like, be able to afford that shit. That's like when I try to get a job at Target. <laughs> I was like, something's oh gotta God. shake out here. Pretty much. Anyway, that's where Reggie is and he is like big time after school special upset. His like beautiful flaxen floppy hair has never been so ruffled. He's just like, oh. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Can 
congrats to Charles Melton on becoming a series regular. <laughs> Back at the Cooper house, Betty is scrubbing up blood for the second time in five or six episodes. And she gets a call from unknown and the music is super ramped up and it's like, ah! I will say that whenever FP was on the other side, because whenever they did that and it said unknown, I was like, did they finally change that? Damn well, that's what I was. I was like, calm down, everybody. It's not lollipop. It's a different ringtone. That's why I was like, it can't be the black hood. But then right. I was like, well, maybe, just maybe. maybe. She changed her ringtone. She changed her ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's just FP. And he was just wondering where his kid is because he's a good dad sometimes. And, oh, BT Dubs, Betty, your dad was just brought into the hospital. He's bleeding a lot. FP offers to go check on his Eskimo bro, but Betty says, no, I'm on my way. So she bolts, which is good because Hal might have very well killed FP. Uh, so. Yep, especially with the, the information that has come to light with the last couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure FP would have been killed off real quick and fast like. Yes. At the Pembroke, Veronica is screaming at her mother, who cannot get to the liquor cart soon enough. Um, she wants to know where her parents are going to come up with this ridiculous million dollar bounty. And Hermione says like, blah, blah, blah. Your father has secret funds. Give me booze right now. Give me, give me, give me. She is like trying to break that whiskey bottle open. She's like, I need alcohol. Um, and Veronica screams, my ass he does. <laughs> that was kind of awesome. That was kind of awesome. She says, there's no way that they're using the million dollars that she earned herself by getting her Girl Scouts extortion badge for one of Hiram's Machiavellian schemes. She bursts into Hiram's study and locks the door before Hermione can follow her in there. And she's throwing safes open and desk drawers while Hermione tries to talk her down. But oh, fuck no. Mm -mm. You people have unleashed the beast. And since Veronica has attended the Betty Cooper School of Picking Locks, she grabs a letter opener and gets the one locked drawer in Hiram's desk and finds a very dubious dossier with multiple folders. One such is labeled Andrews, where she finds surveillance shots of Fred and Hermione from season one. Mm-hmm. And along with a letter titled, Family Man Fred Andrews is Not So Innocent. And most of the letter is blurred out, but from what is visible, you can tell it has to do with the mayoral election. So this is his quote unquote October surprise. Um, Archie and his clean-cut crew, as I like to call them now, are sitting with Reggie at Pops when they hear lots of honking and engine revving. They assume it's the serpents, but if you look closely through all of the fog that rolls through this goddamn town, you can tell just from that shot that it's the ghoulies uh, because it's like classic hot rod cars that are honking. Archie calls Jughead, and Jug assures Archie that he's rounded up his boys and the serpents are all at the White Worm. Well, if the serpents are there, who the hell is here at Pops? And then Archie recognizes that bro Malachi from the Sugar Man episode. And just listeners, yes, I know I called him the Candyman last week. My bad. I realized it like 10 minutes after I stopped recording. I was like, shit, he was the, the Sugar Man, not the Candyman. Whatever. Um, Archie says, oh crap, Jug, it looks like the ghoulies are back in town. So since these guys have been <laughs> released from Shankshaw... They've had time to. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) They've had time to paint their faces. I know it's so bad. Like usually they're pretty funny. The references that they throw in here, you're just like, oh my god. Yeah. Shank Shaw. I'm gonna have to tell it to John later tonight. (laughs) (laughs) They've had time to paint their faces. Um, get their bedazzled clothes back on and um, pick up some like medieval weapons including a baseball bat with spikes not wrapped in blood wire walking dead fans thank god right it's not lucille i didn't watch that show and i know about that but actual spikes like growing out of the baseball bat i did honestly because i've seen that episode Mm -hmm. and um the guy in the walking dead uh, that has the bat Mm -hmm. with the blood spikes he actually plays the um John Winchester in Supernatural. Okay. And he's also um, Denny on Grey's Anatomy. And he was the husband on Weeds. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yes. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And for those of you that watched, uh, is it The Real O.C.? No, it wasn't The Real O.C. What was it? One Tree Hill. 
Peyton, mm-hmm. the girl that plays Peyton, is his wife and baby mama. Oh, very nice. Yes. I like that. I'm happy yeah. about that. After commercial break, everyone is bar- barricading pops like it's the French Revolution. And Javert is hot on their tails. And like four of you get that reference. And I love you. It's from Les Mis. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, doesn't matter though because the ghoulies just start smashing windows. And like, did anybody think they wouldn't? The entire side of the building is windows. Archie runs behind the counter to hide with Pop and ask if he has a gun. And Pop is like, no, man, we aren't doing gun violence anymore. <laughs> Have you been paying attention? But if you can get to the roof and grab one of Mr. Lodge's liquor bottles, you can make a Molotov cocktail. Except he doesn't actually specifically spell it out. But our boy, Archie, bless his heart. <laughs> has never been one for subtext ever just reads them loud and clear this time so he's either really good um at reading between the lines during times of major distress or just when like we're discussing weaponry i don't know i think it's probably because it's weaponry yeah and he's a boy yeah and it's fire (laughs) fire good The ghoulies are smashing shit um, out in the parking lot. And I don't know what those people's cars did anything to them, but fine. When Archie just starts lobbing Molotov cocktails. Come on, man. You're a freaking basketball player. You got better aim than that. Right. Malachi dares Archie to hit him. But before he can, Sheriff Keller pulls up in his cruiser with the good dad squad. And... Um, or the hot, hot dads of Riverdale. Hot dads of Riverdale. <laughs> I can stand behind that. That should be our, like, uh, brother podcast or sister yes, podcast. it should be. Yeah. Somebody get on that. And, okay, so he, like, takes a shotgun and shoots off a fire shot, right? Mm-hmm. The way, the angle that he was pointing that gun, he should have totally shot Archie. Like, I, I don't know anything about, like, gun trajectory in real life because I don't like guns. But I've watched a million hours of TV before, and by TV logic, that shot should have totally hit Archie. And before they could show him again, I was, like, terrified. I'm like, pan up! I need to know! Fred, look up! Is your son okay? Right. (laughs) Um, We cut to Inside Pops, and Fred and Archie hug it out, so I guess he didn't get shot, but whatever. Just should have, I'm just saying. And Kevin is just like the proudest kid ever and this is when we get that stupid integrated marketing thing stupid um did love his hot riverdale dads to the rescue way better than my good dad squad at the white worm sweet pea is just itching to get out of there and fuck shit up but jughead orders him to stay put jughead who has been in this gang for five minutes (laughs) orders sweet pea who has been around presumably since he had like little leather diapers with snake patches but and not only that, Sweet Pea's like a good foot taller than yeah, yeah. Cole Sprouse. Right. Veronica shows Hermione the shit that she found in Hiram's desk. And Hermione tries to cover for him. But Veronica tells her that, like, you are just a means to an end. Kindle for the fire. Bitch, he's using you. And Hermione's like, oh, no, he would never hurt us. And Veronica says, the fact that you actually believe that chills me. And, yeah, like... Does this woman have any working brain cells? I think she does, but at the same time, I have a feeling that, yeah, Hiram's playing her, but she has a game, or she's got a plan underneath his. I hope so. That she has to play the clueless, dumbass wife who fully believes in everything that her husband ever says, but at the end of the day, it's going to be Hiram that gets fucked up. Not her. I hope so. Because it, whenever Archie, that mm-hmm. uh, she said, "I'm the boss." Yes. Yeah. I hope that's true, and just not him putting her in danger. No, I I really think that she's he's the face, uh-huh. and she's the brains. But she's letting him think he's, he's the, the brains, brains. and I, letting everyone else think that right. she's not the brains. Right. But in reality, she is, because there's no way in hell she could be that stupid. I hope so. Earlier today, Laura stopped by my desk, and she goes, so, is Hermione just dumb? (laughs) (laughs) Just busting out laughing. Um, But I hope, I hope you're right. So, Pop is, he's at, well, he's at the diner, and he's continuing his night of a thousand phone calls, and he's giving Hiram the lowdown on the kerfuffle at the diner, 
but it's okay, Mr. Lodge. Fred Andrews, <laughs> your favorite, and Sheriff Keller broke it up, and that infuriates Hiram, causing him to slam his fist on the dashboard of the town car, and nothing would have given me greater pleasure than if the airbag popped out and smothered him. Oh my god, I would have laughed so hard. <laughs> right? Just, I'd have been like, karma, bitch! Mark and Swales get slammed back. I would have laughed. Like, I would not have been able to stop laughing. I know. That would have been amazing. <laughs> so, sir, how did the airbag deploy? Well, I kind of punched, punched it. it. <laughs> I punched it because... <laughs> Why did you punch your airbag, sir? I was mad. <laughs> I was throwing a temper tantrum. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. So, just as Pop gets off the phone, though, a very tall dude in a leather jacket that looks a lot like the Black Hoods strolls in, and this is Small Fry. He is not a small fry. I know. Whenever they, whenever you didn't know for a long time till it was small fry. No, and then you're like, that's not small. No, I was expecting small fry to be like this, this short little dude, but like a wiseacre, but like somebody that could whoop some ass, you yeah. know, like a Jean Claude Van Damme, like, <laughs> but tinier. <laughs> so that's what I was expecting. So whenever I figured out he was small fry, I was like, that ain't no damn small fry. Why do right. they call him small fry? Love, I love the the ironic nickname, but. Um, anyway, <laughs> this sweet cinnamon roll of a man, Pop is just too good for this world. He, oh he I says, was so afraid he was going to get killed. Me too. Oh my God. He says, sorry, we aren't serving right now, but creepy McFuckface has overheard the conversation and he wants to know where Hiram lives. And Pop just tells, tells him the address. I guess. He's just like, oh, well, he lives at the Pembroke. Oh, so, um, okay, we've got like three minutes. At the hospital that time forgot, Betty is trying to find her dad. She pulls back the very sinister curtain, and oh, fuck, it's not Hal. It's Dr. Masters, all dead and bloody. Um, the phone rings, which was scary as hell. I was, like, in my shirt. I was so scared. My face was in my shirt. How did he know she was there? Like, he's everywhere, and he, like, they share a darkness, and I don't know. Anyway... Um, apparently Dr. Ast Dr. Astor's Dr. Master has asked too many questions because he's a fucking doctor, Hal. He needs to know how you got hurt. And Betty gets in a solid burn and says, So what? There's no like method to the madness now, you're just a psychopath. Duh <laughs> Yeah, Betty. Even if he is your father, he's always been a raging psychopath ever since he first shot shot Fred in season one, but God. So um the Black Hood tells Betty that she needs to come home right now so they can finish their discussion. I would want to be anywhere else than in that house, but he tells her that if she isn't there in 10 minutes, he'll slit her mother's throat right there in the living room. And here's what I don't understand. We know that Hal is the Black Hood. She knows that he's the Black Hood. Why in the fuck was he still doing the, the voice thing? thing? Yeah, I don't know. I was like, are we supposed to believe that like there's a different guy in their house? No, it's Hal. Yeah, we know it's, it's Hal. Hal. Why yeah. are you doing the voiceover thing? Yeah, I don't know. And the way that he talked, you knew it was Hal. Yes. But Betty hangs up and she books it out of that room, hopefully telling somebody that the deceased body of Dr. Masters is in that room on her way out. Oh, she was like, hey, might want to check room 217. There's, there's a dead guy in there. He's apparently the only fucking doctor in this building, so might want to get in there. We should go back into work. I will uh, finish this up um, in a little bit. We don't have, we really don't have much to go, but um, but we got to get back into work, guys. So you will see me in two shakes. Hey, it's Cherie. So I have tried to record this second half of the podcast by myself twice. The first time I didn't have it on record. The second time I. Uh, I didn't have my microphone plugged in, so oh, it's it's been a long afternoon. Okay, so but this shouldn't take very long, and I have to leave soon to get my kid and make dinner and do the whole mom thing. But all right, so where we left off, um, Penny Peabody is back. She calls Jughead to meet up. She she's at the docks because she's kidnapped Tony, and I've been wondering where Tony was ever since they escorted Fangs out of prison and. Um, 
what I said in my last two recordings was that I think it would have been better if we didn't see Petty, Penny at all in the time between Silent Night and Deadly Night until now. I think it would have been much more compelling without that episode where um, she shows up and shows everybody her scar where Jughead mutilated her and like that, did that terrible thing to her. Um, anyway, she also calls Betty a bore, and I just want to say, Miss Peabody, Betty is many things, but boring she is not, bitch. So, speaking of Betty, she makes it home, and she tries to drag Alice out of the house when Hal comes strolling in, and this smug motherfucker says, I'm glad you made it home, Betty. Ugh, he's going to show us some old reel-to-reel movies, um, home movies, and there's no blood on his shirt yet, but we know it's coming, and I'm scared shitless. And like, like we mentioned earlier, Lachlan Monroe is the guy from the scary movies, the, the parody movies. Like, who would have thought the guy that was so funny in those movies would actually scare the shit out of us so bad with just some film reels? We see Tiny Hal being coached by his mother. Apparently, Grandpappy Cooper, Betty's grandfather, Hal's father, was the Riverdale Reaper. Oh my god. Why his mother chose to record this moment in time, I will never understand. Like, I know we needed it for this part of the story, but, like, what if somebody had found that in the fucking 40 years that after she recorded it, like, it would only incriminate her husband and her for aiding and abetting him, but whatever. The little child says, sinners have to die. And that's when Alice finally is like, what the actual fuck is this? Is this a snuff film? And, like, what kind of snuff films is she watching that she sees a little boy in a chair talking to his mother and makes that assumption? Whoa. (laughs) But Hal tells her to shut up for once in her life. Not a good choice. Um, But he wants them to witness this psychological damage his parents did to him. Um, Not that he sees it that way. Once it's over, Hal tells Alice to take out her tape recorder so they can get this on record. And it's now that the blood starts to seep through his shirt we get yet another penultimate episode explanation of the whole great-grandpappy Cooper slash Blossom feud. Hal says it was actually Betty's great-grandpappy that killed his brother and then took on the Cooper name to avoid capture, so the complete opposite of what we learned in episode 12 of season 1. Hal says he did it for us, and the Conways knew great-grandpappy's secret, and Mr. Conway was blackmailing Hal's father. Um, so they had to die because they were sinners, even the children. And Mr. Svensson, Joseph Conway, the lone survivor, was very easy to manipulate as a child and as a man. What fucking kind of monster are you, Hal? Alice, who, like, still has not really caught on, is like, what are you saying, Hal? Catch up, lady! <laughs> he's, he's giving you his, like, villainous monologue here. Hal says that the darkness has been in him just like his father the same darkness that his father had and now it lives in betty our daughter he strolls over to betty and he gets down on her face and says who am i and then he like screams at her until she just like meekly says you're the black hood that's right so betty lays out all the people that he's killed and hurt without mentioning chick so take that note She also mentions the debate, and he says that wasn't him. That was someone else. Like, obviously it was someone else because you were in the crowd. But who is it? I believe that is Betty's question and all of ours. All of our question. All of us? Our um, words. I don't know. Um, Next door, Archie and Fred come home, and Fred goes to take a shower, and, like, Archie moves into the kitchen, but his spidey senses are tingling now, and he pokes his head out the back door that's been left ajar. Hmm. He doesn't notice anything, so he starts to go upstairs, but the very chilling music in the soundtrack tells us that someone is in this fucking house, so he moves into the formal dining room when a man in a black hood jumps out and attacks Archie. Archie holds his own, though, because he's a wrestler now, Um, (laughs) thanks to that one episode, and when they, they wrestle for a while, but then when they get up, homie pulls a gun on Archie. But Fred whacks him over the back of the head with a baseball bat. And it's so fucking intense. Just as, like, Fred and Archie are starting to relax and, like, figure out what the fuck's going on, the Black Hood, who is not Hal because he's next door torturing his wife and child, he gets up and Fred jumps in front of Archie just as this guy shoots his gun. 
because he's just the best dad. And we all start to lose our shit because, God damn it, we will not lose Luke Perry. <laughs> it's not okay. Um, but it is okay. Tom Keller gave him a Kevlar vest to wear to the diner. So once Archie knows that, um, that Fred's okay, he bolts out of the house to chase after this guy. But as soon as he gets outside, there's no trace of him. So he just stands in the street, not sure where to run. Next door in the Cooper's living room, Betty asks how, why he became the Black Hood. And he says, because this town is full of sinners. <laughs> Man, every town is, fucker. Um, he says that her speech at the Jubilee triggered the bullshit put in his brain by her mother, by his mother, when she said, Riverdale must do better. We must do better. So he picked up his father's sword and continued the work that his father and grandfather started by purging this town of sinners. Mm. Alice says, well, none of this makes sense because duh, everyone's a sinner and like murder is a pretty big one, motherfucker. Betty asks, asks why he wanted it recorded. And he says that he wants everyone to understand when they find us. And Alice's face is just, nope. <laughs> no. Oh man, that really makes it sound like he's going to kill them. Um, Jughead makes it to the docks where Penny is holding Tony hostage. Tony is okay, but she tells Jughead that Penny is not alone. And out comes Malachi, king of the ghoulies, with his stupid ass bat. And also just a note, we can tell from the bedazzled jacket that Penny is wearing, we can tell that she's a ghoulie now. So Malachi fires up his taser to take Jughead down and like, really? A taser? But our new local superhero, Cheryl Blossom, the red arrow, <laughs> if you will, bursts out of the trees, points her arrow at Malachi, and calls him a hobgoblin. Hobgoblin. I can't get that out with saying, I can't even, goblin, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, okay. Jughead says he, he brought backup to bitch. <laughs> nice choice, Juggy. Not only is Cheryl Tony's girlfriend and, you know, super willing to save Tony, but she's also the bad bitch who is taking down serial killers. So nice. Um, the ghoulies let Tony go, but Penny says, when all of your friends are dead, you won't have any backup. So is she threatening to kill Cheryl? Bad choice. Cheryl couldn't even kill Cheryl. So like, fuck. Anyway, we get her villain monologue about how she's teamed up with the ghoulies to sell drugs on the south side. And she gives him a message to take back to his dad. Either the serpents ship out tonight or they fight the ghoulies first thing in the morning at Pickens Park. I'm fine either way. And really, just when is morning coming? Because it's been night for an episode and a half now. Like, what the fuck is happening? There's no way all of this from the prison and the riots and all that the... Um, no, the debate even was at night and all of this has gone on. Like the sun would totally be up by now. But anyway, creepy McFuck face from Pops, who, if you finished the episode, you know, it's small fry. He bursts through the Pembroke lobby doors. He asks Andre, who now looks like a teeny tiny man in, compa in comparison where Hiram is. And, oh, um, sorry, he isn't home. Oh yeah? What about his lovely wife and daughter? And now it's Andre's turn to gulp. Um, cut to the penthouse where the lodge ladies are still fighting about Hiram's bullshit. And a fucker kicks down the door. And this is where we learn that it's small fry. And his father, Papa Poutine. <laughs> so funny. Um, always told him that, son, if I should come up murdered. You know, it's the classic conversation that every father and son have. But anyway, if he should come up murdered... Don't kill the man who did it, but take out his loved ones, because that's the true torture. Um, so Veronica and Hermione take off running into the study, and they block the door with the couch, and that buys them just enough time for Hermione to find a gun hidden in Hiram's cigar box, and she shoots Small Fry like six times in the chest. Um, when you're like not sure if he's going to go down, he finally does like a ton of bricks. And at least to me, it was super satisfying. And I cannot believe this episode isn't even over yet. So much has happened. Um, at the White Worm, Sweet Pea is holding court, going on about how they need to end the ghoulie scourge. And Jughead counters, and they all start to fight when FP bursts in. And he has some bad news. Fangs didn't make it. Man, he was such a sweet boy. FP says that they need to put it to a vote. All those who oppose fighting the ghoulies, 
and no one raises their hand, or at least I didn't notice if Juggy did. Um, all those in favor, and this time everyone but Jughead raises two fingers in a snake-like position. And can we fucking talk about that? Can we just raise our hands? Does everything have to be snake-like? This fucking gang. Um, I just can't even anymore. Um, Jughead turns around and stares ominously at his father, but before we can see if he raises his fingers or not, we cut to commercial. When we come back at the Cooper house, Alice does what she does best and um, just starts badgering Hal. She calls him a mama's boy. She says, I knew it. You can never do anything for yourself. You can't do anything right. You can't even get being a serial killer right. And she asks if he's just going to kill the whole town. And, like, seriously, what did Fred Andrews deserve? And Hal's like, he was an adulterer. Well, then why don't you kill yourself? Because you had an affair with Penelope Blossom. And then she says, or me. I stepped out on you with FP. And in every way, he was a real man compared to you. Oh, my God. And finally, Hal snaps and starts to strangle her. But it's okay, because this whole time, Betty has been very sneakily getting a fireplace shovel and conks him over the head with it. That's my girl. At the Jones trailer, FP and Jughead get into a giant ass fight with like furniture thrown around and shit. And FP yells, boy, <laughs> we all laugh. And he says, I've done this a lot longer than you. And we voted. If we go down, we go down fighting. I'll rally the reserves they'll fight and like wait there are reserve serpents like the army reserves like two weeks out of the year you devote your time to being <laughs> a gang member to being in a motorcycle gang it's super weird but anyway Jughead rips off his hat in anger and then he notices his murder wall in the dining room and he calls Hiram um and he calls him out on being behind the whole thing and as Hiram is strolling up to meet with Penny Peabody, which is just what Jughead has, like, figured out, he says that he has a counter offer. And Hiram's listening. So after Hiram meets with Penny, he comes home to the Pembroke, where Andre has been shot. Um, and he runs in to, to the penthouse, yelling for the girl, seeing that the door has been kicked down. But they're okay. They're just sitting solemnly at the table, at the dining room table that, like, all of their scenes are at. And Hermione says there's another dead body in the study and Veronica follows it with it's your mess daddy you clean it up yes I love justice Veronica she is so much better than like mafia princess I have so many secrets that I'm hiding behind from everybody that Veronica she sucks but justice Veronica fucking love her um Hiram's nostrils Mark Consuelos's nostrils get so fucking big in this this shot that it looks like you could land a plane in there anyway cut to the cooper house where tom keller who we're not sure if he's like the sheriff again or if um mob sheriff is gone if he's still sheriff i don't know but anyway he's escorting hal out of the cooper house and into the cruiser that he got to keep after he turned his badge in which makes no sense but fine um fred and archie come walking over and betty tells them that her dad was the black hood and Archie is like no shit really did you see him try to shoot my dad again like an hour ago but no 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 he was in our living room the whole time and so when I was watching this my first instinct said that at the Andrews house that was small fry because Archie doesn't know that small fry's around but he like had the jacket and the plaid and everything the other two times we didn't see him in a hood but maybe I don't know or there's a second black hood and it's probably Clifford right Clifford Claudius whoever the fuck he is Betty's phone rings and it's Jughead with a very scary message this made my heart hurt they're both so happy to hear each other's voices after this crazy ass night and he tells her I love you Betty and I've never stopped loving you I'll see you soon and I had my shirt over my mouth because I was so nervous. Like, I almost didn't get notes on it because I was just like, oh, God. Um, we come back from commercial, and Jughead has strolled up to Penny and the Ghoulies to be a sacrificial lamb. 
Penny speaks the obvious truth when she says that getting rid of Jughead was worth more to Hiram than taking out all of the serpents. Like, yeah, because Jughead is the only one calling Hiram out on his shit. But now that Veronica is, maybe he's gonna, um, I don't know, have her killed too. But whatever. The ghoulies start to move in and Jughead scoffs, 30 to 1? Are you that afraid of me? Not the time, Juggy. <laughs> Malachi says, Oh, what we're going to do to you is nothing compared to what we're going to do to your girlfriend when we find her. And that was the exact trigger they needed. And Jughead punches the fuck out of him. Um, looks like he's worked on his right hook since Chuck insulted Betty at his birthday party last season. So good work, Cole. Um, they're all just beating the shit out of him. And Penny takes out her switchblade and says, don't end him yet. I want my pound of flesh from him first. Whew. Um, Betty calls FPF the worm and alerts him to the fact that Jughead was super weird and basically said he was going to die. So FP races over to Penny's hideout, but they aren't there. Hiram is just, Hiram says that he is just so glad that neither Veronica or Hermione were hurt, but they are fucking over it with him. And they're basically like, get the fuck out of here. And then in the worst scene ever, oh, this hurt my heart so bad. Um, most of our gang is waiting outside, I think the worm, I don't know, when FP comes walking through the trees with Jughead's very limp and bloody body. And oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, no. And God, FP's face. And like, so I don't even want to imagine what t Twitter looked like. I put a, what I thought was a funny picture because I have a Jughead beanie and I put like a, a candle next to it and it was a black and white picture. And I, I just mentioned something about like the podcast isn't going to be coherent guys because I'm very shook. It was a joke. And some bitch comments and says he's not going to be dead. Calm down, idiot. I was like, who the fuck are you to call me an idiot? So... Look, from the previews for next episode, it does totally look like Jughead's dead because, like, the rest of our core four is standing in front of a tombstone. And, you know, honestly, like, it wouldn't surprise me after the way this fandom has behaved if Cole Sprouse wanted out, if he wanted to not sign his contract for season three. It would not surprise me in the least. It would also open up Betty and Archie to get together, which we have heard is endgame. You know, in the pilot, Kevin said that. And... Um, and it would help Alice and FP get together without it being weird for their kids. So there are reasons to believe that he could be dead. He's probably not because that would be really fucked up to take out like your most interesting character, most interesting male character anyway. So I don't, I don't know. Anyway, like we said earlier, um, in light of recent events, we're going to skip segments for this week because I just, I just can't even like... I'm a 31-year-old wife and mother, and I am, like, all up in my head about this episode. <laughs> so, um, I just couldn't pick it apart the way we normally do with good, bad funnies and, like, what's the most Archie moment and, like, that kind of silly stuff that we can do most episodes. But this one was just so crazy and so intense and so serious, and everybody was in such danger the whole time. So segments just didn't work. I also don't have any Sabrina news. Um, and Skeet, I think is dating Vanessa Morgan. So he's been like radio silent on, on Instagram posting very little. So, um, not a lot of dad stuff going on a lot of like, I'm fucking a 25 year old that's going on. So, um, I don't know. It's weird, but, and she could just be a house guest. I don't think so. <laughs> um, but she's definitely living in this house. So anyway, um, I think that's it for, for this week. I will be back next week with the recap of the finale episode, chapter 35, Brave New World. I don't know when it will be posted because typically we record these podcasts on Thursday, but I have a doctor's appointment that day. So, um, I, like right at the time when we normally record. So I, I don't know. And I really want to guess. So hopefully Ashley and I can record on Friday and we can post it. But and of all the episodes, right? All the episodes to not be able to do it. But, um, but it, it's kind of important. I, I, I can't cancel that appointment because of Riverdale. So 
Anyway, um, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. That helps other adult Riverdale fans find us and join our safe space where we can talk about all sides of the show, um, all point of views. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Sheree That's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-B-E-E. Ashley is at AshJohn13, A-S-H-J-O-H-N-13. Um, you can always email us at realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com. And if you um, have any kind words for what could be the deceased or not deceased life of Forsyth Pendleton Jones III, a.k.a. Jughead, a.k.a. Jackie, a.k.a. Beanie Boy, just let us know. Anyway, see you around for the finale, friends. Bye! Springtime and jingle jangle sing time Right on to the summer and the fall So darling don't be